Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA plus business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. I am so welcome. I'm so excited to welcome to the show today, Anthony Tamiza. He helps people remove their masks to embrace who they fully are through trauma-conscious transformational coaching and styling. Anthony is passionate about this work because when he owned who he was after coming out, he was able to present himself more confidently, proudly, and authentically. Anthony first works with clients to do the inner work through coaching and then celebrate with a wardrobe and style overhaul so clients look and feel more like themselves. He enjoys being on stage and has spoken at two conferences within the past few months, encouraging audiences to step into their authenticity. Anthony, welcome to the show. Oh, and Marie, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to watch you and what you're up to and to share space with you today is such a blessing. So thank you for having me. So, you know, I am going to ask you this question because of the bio you, you, you yeah. submitted. Tell me about your coming out story. Sure. Yeah, let's get into it. So <laughs> coming out for me, I came out, I'm currently 28 years old. I came out in 2019. So I was, I even forget the age sometimes. It was 23 or 24. Mm -hmm. My, I always basically knew that I was mm -hmm. gay, but I, for the majority of my life, almost, I was like, well, but I'll just pretend like <laughs> naturally I'm just going to not, you know, follow that path. Um, growing up in a, an extremely supportive family of me, but uh, like Italian Catholic background, it just never dawned on me as an opportunity to even explore like my actual authenticity. And that's um, not to discredit my parents for not being supportive parents it's just that's the culture that they had grown up in there wasn't really the education or room to explore otherwise mm -hmm. and it wasn't until my high school experience was fine like I had friends I was really smart and then I went to what we call in Canada university or college in the states you know right out of school um I was given more opportunity to kind of shine and be who I am in university not even in the way that I could come out, just that I had friends that saw me for what I offered to the group. My social skills were increasing. I had volunteer opportunities that were just amazing, whereas high school was just kind of dry, you know, just the day to day. Mm -hmm. And so I had this incredible experience away at university and I moved home after graduating to pursue a career that was not too far from home. And the job was great. The opportunity was great. All of a sudden, I was just like commuting into work five days a week. So much alone time. A lot of times we really realize, oh, no, <laughs> I need to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And it began to feel a lot heavier, like losing sleep, not really being able to focus mm -hmm. on anything but that. And to the point where I, I had decided that it was time to do something. And 
This is a funny part of the story that leads up to a few days um, to coming out to my parents. I worked for a private school here uh, just outside of Toronto. So we had March breaks. The uh, staff got March break, even if you weren't a teacher, which was great. So I was in New York with a few friends and we had um, quickly after having a bottomless brunch in New York, after hopping off of the plane, we were strolling the streets and we see Psychic. Of course, what do you do after having a few too many drinks? <laughs> I'm going to go to the Psychic. Mm-hmm. And so we all went and the psychic didn't say you're going to come out in a few days. What the psychic said, she said, your crown chakras are shining, you're glowing, you have this ability to connect with people. But she said, you have this past life that is clinging on for dear life that you need to just get rid of. And she said, however that lands for you, take it. But for me, I knew I had already decided when I was coming back that the day I came back or the next day I was going to sit my parents down. So you know, I'm quite the spiritual person. So to me, and I know this, um, for some people, it doesn't all make sense, you know, the psychics and religion and all that stuff. For me, that was God speaking through someone to give me that message. Like it's time, let's Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I came home and I came out to my parents and it was the toughest thing I've felt like I ever had to do, um, just to utter those words. And I was faced with nothing but support and love and very lucky. uh, very lucky. Yeah, and I, I know. yeah, it's not I know lost you, on me. Yeah, you're you're extremely lucky, and I'm so happy that you got that experience. So, keep going. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's and you know, growing up, I had always heard of of stories where it was much worse, and so that always yeah, that plays me the back in your mind, yeah. right? Yeah. Of yeah. course, like, mm-hmm. even though I knew I had the most loving parents, so I was very lucky, you know, of course, things that crossed their mind were religion, like, are you going to end up in hell, like, that kind of thing, those extremes, which, you know, we worked through, and it was fine, and I have a brother, and I came out to him a few days after, which was so supportive, and friends a few months later, what I knew I needed to do was, for me, and again, we spoke about this a little earlier before we came on, but A lot of people nowadays, when they say, oh, I came out at 23 or 24, they say, oh my gosh, that's so late. And for me, you know, and the work that you do and other people's stories, I think really, is it? No, it's not. Actually, it's pretty, pretty typical. I mean, you know, it's, this is the thing is coming out is a bell curve. So we've got our people that figure it out when they're 14 and they're like, boom, bust out of the closet, right? And then there's all these other people and you're sort of on the upswing of the bell curve. And and I'm on the downswing of the bell curve. But what's really crazy, Anthony, every queer person that I talk to that has gone through this coming out, it's universal. Like when when you said, I didn't sleep for... I mean, it becomes this huge thing where it's like, if you do not get this out, you literally feel like you're going to die, you know, and people don't (laughs) understand that unless they've been through that. And so I hear like, I, I couldn't sleep. I was sleeping like two hours a night. I lost like 25 pounds because when I get really anxious, I stop eating, you know? Yes. And um, so I understand. So I'm so proud of you for taking that step. Thank you. (laughs) You know? And it is like, and it was so cute because you go, we went to New York and had brunch and I was so gay. <laughs> I know, right? Like it, it all just checks the boxes. Like, yeah, that, that that's my coming up story. It makes total sense. When you told your parents or your brother, yeah. were they like, yeah, honey, we've known for a really long time. <laughs> okay. That's such a good question because when I thought it would, I thought that's the, what I would get from my parents, but my parents were 
kind of surprised. I think it wasn't until later after it really set in. They're like, yeah, now looking back, I guess I could have like seen it. My brother, the first thing he said, oh, you finally told them. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, okay, <laughs> you knew. <laughs> so I guess that shows the generational gap there. Maybe they yeah, had just chosen not to see it. And I just have, one, we're going to move on to your business, but I have one more question. Of curi- I'm going to have you on the other podcast too. But my question of curiosity was, did you go to Catholic school? Yes, yeah. I did. <clears throat> I did. That's, that's another thing we have in common because uh-huh. I went to Catholic school too. And um, like, even though I considered myself like such a huge ally to the community, a lot of the yeah. later in life people are often big allies before they realize right. Yeah. And, and yes. that's part of internalized homophobia, you know, of course. I'll fully support your journey, but the only person but who can be gay is no, that was, <laughs> of course, that was me. But yeah. what was really interesting is what you said was about like, is this sinful and stuff like that? Yeah. And I'll never forget the first time I slept with my wife. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was like this huge ally, ally and stuff. Yeah. And for like, you know, two, 2.3 seconds that passed through my head. And I was like, and I was so stunned. Yeah. Like I didn't, I was so, that's how deep the seeds get planted when you grow up in a conservative religion. And I don't know, it sounds very familiar to me because Mm -hmm. um, what I, you know, like it just wasn't talked about. And, and I sounds like it, like I went to a Catholic school school and church that where it it just wasn't talked about it wasn't preached against which was a good thing Same. yes but gay people didn't exist <laughs> and so right. and it's so amazing to me i mean we're, we're probably i'm thinking about 30 years older than you but mm-hmm. it's so amazing to me that you know you and i grew up in very different generations you know and it's still going on you know yeah. like even with all the representation out there and how old are you may i ask 28. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like you're on, you know, you're a millennial, but you're a young millennial. Yeah. And, and, but, and you, and I think you're also on the line, like the Gen Z's have had so much representation and you yes. still just kind of missed it. Yeah. Kind of yeah. the beginning phases of that shift where it's like, I felt on the more like, yeah, millennial end where it's like, we still don't really talk about these things. But then it was like a few years after I came out or when I came out, it's like, oh, like this shouldn't even be a problem. But I was growing up in the era where it's like, mm, we don't do that. <laughs> well, you well, And it also too, like, um, you know, Nick Jr. and Disney and all those channels, yeah. which you're, you're my children's age. Like yeah. they just didn't show that. But of I have course. a younger child who's only 20. And yes. I saw that with him. You know? Sure, I'm sure there's so, a stark difference. Absolutely, it is a really stark dis- difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, tell me about your business. How did you yeah. get into coaching people? And it's yeah. and, and 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 I love. It's so interesting. You put the component of dress into it mm-hmm. because I have struggled with that. A lot of the women sure. I work with struggle at like, I what I wore before doesn't yeah. like. I used to wear dresses. Yeah professionally because it was easy but like when I put on a dress now I feel really uncomfortable not that I don't identify as feminine or female or anything but I just like this isn't me anymore so it's really interesting I think that's brilliant that you put that component in there Uh, yeah I'm going to send the girls to you because (laughs) 
because I really struggle with it. So tell yeah. me about this. Yeah, Anne-Marie, that's that's not an uncommon thing to hear from people in our community. And so how this all started for me, I guess I'll, I'll layer a few things in. Growing up, I had always enjoyed clothes. Like I, I really liked dressing well and all that stuff. It's always something I had a bit of an eye for. I came out and then I was like, I need to do some work. I was like, I know my parents were very supportive and like, let's put you into like see a therapist or something because you've dealt with this your whole life. They felt really poorly about that. And so I see a naturopath regularly and I had told her and um, she's also queer, which was fantastic to have that support. And she referred me to um, someone who I only later learned was a coach. I just thought, you know, this is just someone she recommends. So I went to this coach and I had a three hour session. It was just a one-time session. And it was like the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life to be able to let go, to be able to forgive myself and do forgiveness work for those around me who had contributed to this experience and to just fully allow myself to step into who I am. Mm -hmm. And after that experience, Anne-Marie, I didn't even go back to see that coach for another few years. I had just done a lot of work that had been assigned to me of what are my wants? What are my needs? Who do I want to be in this world? And by doing that work, I started to evolve a little bit more into who I was. And so much so that I about three years later, I was going through some stuff career-wise where I felt a little bit unfulfilled, a little bit like there's more to what I can offer than what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I went back to see that same coach for a similar session. And at the end of the session, I said, look, like, what is this stuff? Because this has worked like a lot of magic in my life. And I just want to learn more about it and how it can, whether it sends me on a new journey or it just amplifies what I do professionally, I want to learn it. So a few months later, I enrolled in the course. And um, at that point, Emory, I had really thought, I'm just going to use this and I'm going to be a great manager. I'm going to be great at my job. I'm going to excel mm -hmm. professionally. It wasn't until I had a, a call with one of the coaches running the program. And she was like, Anthony, why are you here? Like, what is this going to be for? And I gave mm -hmm. my kind of like fluffy answer that I just explained to you right there. And she said, well, why did you go see Ernie? Like your coach, why did you go see Ernie? Oh, well, I came out and I was dealing with a lot of stuff and then it really helped me. She said, well, hello, like, do you see anything in that? And, you know, many people say in, in the coaching world, they say your purpose is in your pain. And when that was reframed to me, I was like, okay, there's something more here that I need to dig into. Mm -hmm. So I finished the year-long coaching program with the intention of I'm going to help people in the same ways that I've been lucky and fortunate to have been helped. And that was a confronting thing, Anne-Marie, because it was almost like coming out again because I had come out, but not like publicly, social media and all that stuff and extended family, I hadn't. So when I decided to take this business full-time and I knew I had to be more public about that, so when I left my nine to five job, I had an opportunity to speak on a stage at a conference and share my coming out story and why I do what I do. And that was just so exhilarating. And it allowed me to launch into this purposeful path where I am now. And so then layering in that fashion component, I had realized that it's a renaissance when people come out or when they're doing any type of transformational work, mm -hmm. you come out of it and you feel different. You want to look different. You want to present different. <clears throat> so that's when we'll go shopping. What's in your closet? What do you hate? What do you love? How can we make you feel more comfortable? So it's that well-rounded approach. And so that's kind of the long-winded way of how each layer got me to where I am now, helping people do the mm -hmm. inner and outer work. Mm -hmm. 
And and how about the speaking component of that? Because you also do speaking. Can you speak a can you speak a little bit about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to. The speaking component. I had this um, when I had gone through the bit of career shift in my mind of where do I see myself. I had always had visions like before bed of me on a stage or me sharing about coming out and what that meant to me. This was even before I got into the coaching. And so when I did and all that started to happen. I had always enjoyed speaking, but I'd never, like at work, I enjoyed presentations or leading workshops. Mm -hmm. And then when I left my nine to five, as I mentioned previous, there was this opportunity for me to be a part of this competition to secure a spot on a stage in Toronto at a conference. And I knew that this was divine timing. I knew, okay, this is my opportunity to get in front of people, utilize this skill and spread an important message. Like finally, I can talk about something important. And so I competed for that and I got the spot to be paid on stage and I did that, which led to another opportunity in Phoenix just last month where I was able to do something similar. And so any time that I can just get in front of an audience and try to get people to understand that there's layers to us that we can remove and whether you're in the community or not, we all hold masks, like we are all focused on how we can protect ourselves and protect our identities. So when we begin to remove those, that's when the magic happens. So that's what I try to do whenever I'm on stage. Well, it's interesting. Um, have you ever heard of Rick Clemens at all? He, I haven't actually. No, he, you should look him up. Um, he's <clears throat> okay. somebody who came out later in life. He was married, okay. had kids and has okay. done a lot of work, does a lot of speaking. Okay. And um, he, he, he started his podcast. Uh, it was like, oh, I forget the name of it right now. But in the tagline, he he says, you know, like we all have closets to come out of. So he first started a, as a coming out podcast, but this yes. is the thing is what straight people don't know. A lot of them is that we all struggle to embrace our authenticity. Bingo. And it doesn't matter whether you like, so for you and I, part of our authenticity was claiming our queerness. Yes. You know, but for straight people, it can be something else. So for example, if you know, you're know you in a nine to five job and you absolutely hate it and you always wanted to be a writer, but you're always, or a painter or, or yes. do something else. And, but you're like, you're so locked into that role. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes our jobs become our identities. Oh, absolutely. I'm a manager of 30 people, but you're absolutely miserable. You know, come out of that closet. Right. You've got to come out of that closet. And, and, and so people are often, you know, I have this really good graphic, which I love and it's mm -hmm. people are in their comfort zones. And yeah. then, you know, what the damn thing is, you know, what's right outside our comfort zone is our fear zone. So, yes. you know, we have to go through that fear zone before we can get to the other zones of like uh, learning about it. And then you spread yeah. the good news, which is what you're doing. <laughs> like, yes. And then you will, what, and then it sounds like you've done what I've done is that you went back into that. You weren't, then you got into your comfort right. zone and then you're like, oh shoot, I don't want to do this for my job anymore. I am yes. going to have to. And so there was of course that fear, fear zone. So it's like, it's cycles. It's cycles and it's, you know, in Buddhism, it's birth, death, life, rebirth. Sure. I mean, that's what it is. In Christianity, yeah. it's birth, death, life, resurrection. I mean, it's yeah. over and over and over again. So yes. I, yeah. So 
What has been the biggest challenge for you as you have migrated from a nine to five job? It sounds like you were a teacher. I was working actually in administration at the school. So yeah, yeah, doing some cool work on the side there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you moved from, you know, education to um, this business. What has been the biggest challenges for you? I'll share something that I said on a coaching call of support call I was on yesterday. It's in my nine to five, yes, the work spilled into outside of nine to five hours for mm-hmm. sure as I got a promotion and had more responsibility. But I was good at putting the phone away, deleting email off of my phone when I was on holiday and all of that stuff. I had boundaries that were crossed sometimes, but not too much. Moving into this space, my biggest challenge, just truthfully, this is just being an entrepreneur, not even being a queer entrepreneur, is just the amount of why am I not doing more that crosses my mind to be able to really get going um, and to increase that momentum. That is almost what faces me the most. Whereas before mm-hmm. at work, well, I put it away. And at the end of the day, I don't own that business. I'm just an employee. At the end of the day, I own this business. So yeah. if I'm not working. Who's working <laughs> is what yeah. runs. Especially yeah. in the beginning, right? Yes. It's you. It's you. So, um, so I hear that you're having challenges with boundaries now more than you did before, because I understand yeah. as an entrepreneur, like an email comes in and it's Saturday night and I have answered emails sitting yeah. at, um, at basketball games, <laughs> you know, yeah, of course. Yeah. But then I had this really interesting epiphany, um, So I was at my son's basketball game and I was trying, I'm a really good connector. I know how to connect people. And so I was connecting to people and because an incident happened to me Mm -hmm. in which people that I used to know just totally ignored me. And so my emotions started to rise. And so I immediately went to caretaking. I didn't need to connect these two people in the middle of my son's basketball game. (laughs) I could have waited until the next day. And my wife, my girlfriend, she's now my wife, turned to me and said, you missed Cole's shot. And I looked up and I had, and I, and then all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like you go to caretaking when your emotions are too hard. Instead of feeling those emotions, I went directly to taking care of people, you know? And, and so that became like, and just like, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in Al-Anon or AA or anything like that, but there is something about like awareness is only 50%. You know, I'm aware of it now, but I have to guard against it, you know? Yes. I hear that. Yeah. And I also know the anxiety of like, there's this anxiety when you're a new entrepreneur of like, okay, I've got to make money. So I have to answer everything that comes my way, right? Absolutely. You feel like, oh, is this the big shot? And I better, I better strike out, right? Or not strike out. It's it's so important that you feel that you're answering that call. But then it's yeah, the battle of, well, I show up best when I do take a break. And if I am only working seven or eight hours a day, that's my best. And then mm-hmm. I can rest. So that's the learning that I'm kind of currently going through as someone yeah. who's fresh into it. I'm, I'm doing that too. Like when I, I had a, me- I do a meditation group on Monday nights and it's over with about quarter of nine. Um, yeah. and, um, I like literally walked out and said, I'm not touching my computer. And so I, until I woke up, I'm a little bad about checking my phone in the morning. I've got to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's actually a, a re- new habit I'm trying is in last night I put my phone down 
early this morning. I promised myself I would go to the gym, take my phone to put on the podcast I was listening to, but I left my phone in my gym bag, like in the separate area. And then I only checked it when I came home for breakfast and I just feel so much better about that. So even those small steps, you know, mm-hmm. I, I suppose are super important. Yeah, absolutely. So what has been the greatest successes of doing this? And, you know, I wanted to add something you said, sure. you said something, is this the next, is this is the big thing? And I remember mm-hmm. when I was a new entrepreneur, really having that expectation and what I have realized there are very few people that like get like that big thing and then just skyrocket it's really building and building and building like when Brene Brown who had that very famous TED talk you know how long I mean she did that at 53 she she had been a social worker she had gotten her PhD I mean it was building and building and building and yes. she hit some. She said something that hit hit people. Yeah. So my point is, is that I think that a lot of times with entrepreneurship, it is not a one and done. It's of like course. keep adding <laughs> stuff, and you keep doing stuff. You keep putting yourself out there. Though, like I have found that, like um, now, like if I get invited on something, I just check it out. Before I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> I'll do anything. (laughs) I'll do anything. But now I'm starting to say, okay, does this align with who I am as a human being? Does this align with my vision? You know, I'm, and I really believe in um, helping people out. So I don't mind doing a new podcast if, you know, that doesn't have a lot of viewership. For sure. Uh, Listen to, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Because, you know, it helps another human person out. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's good karma, it's all good. And you never know with this connection that may brand who they might end up, you know, what they may end up doing. They might think of you in the future for something else. So absolutely. Yeah. So what is your biggest successes so far? I would say, Anne-Marie, my biggest success that I hold close to my heart is that opportunity I had to be on stage basically like two months after leaving my work, my nine to five, because the timing was just so to me, it just proved the point to me, like, yes, this is for you. Yes, the time is now. Yes, spread your message. Because when I had started to launch my business, as I mentioned previous, that was the first time I had shared publicly, like, I'm gay. And so to be on a stage where I was then paid to share that message with an audience that were full of some of my peers from coaching and that I had known just living in the area, to do that to receive that warm feedback, but then to finally share that. I shared the recording on my birthday in January, actually on YouTube, and I made a social media post like coming out on social media. Just the support I was able to receive was my biggest success because not only just on a personal level, because, you know, that validation, of course, is we, you know, we all want to just be validated in life. And so that was really important coming from the perspective of someone who hadn't shared that publicly but then also because it just aligns with what I do, I was able to be on the stage and like, this is this is how I help people the way I've been helped. So just to get an opportunity to speak and share and to try to my best to light up a room is something that I will hold with me forever. I think I can still close my eyes and imagine being on that stage and receiving that warmth from the audience. So, mm-hmm. you know, that led to great opportunity to speaking at another conference, to growing my network, to gaining 
clients. So I just have to be so thankful for that. So that was like the spark for me. That was like, okay, Anthony, you're on the right path. Like this came up and you can continue to do it. Just keep pushing through. So it's something I hold close to my heart. I absolutely understand that. It's wonderful to speak. I'm curious, did you get anybody that came up either conference afterwards and like say, oh my God, that's my story and like had an aha moment, like, oh, I may not be straight. (laughs) You know what? It wasn't so much that truthfully, it was more so the people that had been in the same shoes as myself or yourself. They were like, oh yeah, like I remember that moment. What was interesting, though, is it wasn't so much the I'm questioning myself. It was what we spoke about earlier about people who identify as straight, realizing that they have a bit of a closet, too. I had people saying like, oh, gosh, like you're racking my brain. Like, what am I not being honest about? And it wasn't that I wanted them to get so insecure. Like, who am I? But they were really that was a lot of the feedback I got is like, okay, I resonate with what you're saying. Like, I'm not in your shoes, but I understand that there's something that I need to, you know, uncover. Embrace. Yeah. Yeah. So embrace. That was interesting. The part of the personality that I have suppressed probably to take care of others and do what right. I was supposed to do. And, and, you know, it's so interesting because it, you know, we live in a very patriarchal society yeah. and, you know, it screws women, but what yeah. people don't know is it screws men so bad, mm. you know, because they're not allowed to express their feelings. They're not allowed yes. You know, I mean, they're not allowed to show emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, I remember in that brain, Brene Brown talk the next time she talked about shame and, um, and with men, it's um, with women, it's, I am not enough with men. It's like, I can't appear to be weak, you know? And yeah, of course. So, yeah. And so if, if you correlate that with all the stuff about being gay, you know, you can understand for guys why yes. people, quite hard. And so, you know, I think that's one of those things is that the patriarchy, um, you know, also really, really hurts our men and men can't be who, if they're emotional people, or if they're very good intuitively, emotionally, they're not allowed to be that because, you know, especially if they grow up with toxic masculinity too, it's even harder for them, you know? Of course, of course, especially I even felt that a little bit more in like the nine to five corporate culture, because you're really just given that archetype, like you will be this, whereas in entrepreneurship, I'm seeing traces of like that, like straight men, especially being like, okay, I can be myself in my space here, but slowly, but yeah, in the corporate world, it's like, yeah, you better be that like (laughs) tough person in the boardroom and like never show any fear or any emotion. And that's not okay. (laughs) No, it's not okay. So what would you give an advice for anybody, whether straight or gay, Mm -hmm. um, about starting a coaching business? What's your best piece of advice? I would say you have to be congruent on your why and who do you want to serve and why? And for me, I say that because I avoided that for the first little bit. I was like, I'll just be a coach that will help anyone achieve anything. And it's like, well, that's nice, but you're going to get nowhere, <laughs> nowhere. Well, you will, because you need to have a niche on, you know, of that, course. you know, you can start. It's, it's funny because you have your niche and then if you become successful in your niche, then you can start yes. branching, you know? 
<laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And I've only started to realize that now is like, yes, like find the people you identify with and then referrals and you get bigger. Great. You can help a wider variety. But I would say what's been most important for me is to stay true to why am I doing this, which is what I've just shared previous to this, you know, my coming out story and helping people. And yeah, really sticking to that as who I can serve. So I found that before I was able to get there, it was just really wishy-washy to me. I really needed to have that moment of reflection. And I don't want people to have to go down like dark paths of reliving their pain when I say your purpose is in your pain, but really pay attention to that. Like what is something unique to you that you've been through that you know that if you were to get in front of an audience, large or small, or you were to make that social media post that people would say, oh, wow, I can look to them because they're sharing truth there. They're mm -hmm. not just having that mask. So what is it? Is it that you left your nine to five to pursue that passion? Is it that you came out or anything that is true to you? Just be congruent with it would be my advice to my past self and to anyone getting into this now, because that's people can smell authenticity, right? Right. They can all, yes, absolutely. And um, I love that. It's so funny. You mentioned that quote again, not funny, but so apropos yeah. purpose is in your pain. I love, I actually wrote that down um, oh, wow. because it's really true. It, it, if you think about who you, your clarity become very focused on who you want to serve and what is your why it, it often comes from a place of pain and mm. I started doing what I did from this. I had a horrible coming out experience. And so mm -hmm. I didn't want another person to have that experience, you know, and, and provide them with support and love. Um, so it's really that, that oftentimes that's where you find your purpose and it, and, and it can morph and it can change as you grow right. as a human being. It's just, you know, you may end up helping, you know, uh, your, your ideal client for the rest of your life, but I can guarantee you in three or four years, you'll be like, oh, I think I might pivot a little bit right. because you, and also too, we get bored. I mean, we're human and sometimes we For get sure. bored. You know? Of course. And yeah. You know, I remember, I'll never forget at the end of my hospice career and I had mm -hmm. been in hospice seven years, which is a really long time. People usually last about four years. And I remember at the end and I was, you know, in the midst of coming out and everything like that. And sitting there and I'm like, somebody was telling me their story. And I was like, I've heard this before. And I was like, okay, <laughs> it's time. To, it's time <laughs> to leave, you know, yes, because yes. I was, I had gotten jaded and I would think I was really exhausted with being with so many people who had died. And so I knew it was time to move on. Um, yes. But I will share a really interesting thing. I came down to Nashville mm -hmm. and, um, right back into chaplaincy and wow. I've got a job down here and 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 I remember I ended up serving a church back where I lived for about two months so I took two months off mm -hmm. the whole time I'm like that's two months I'm like I don't want back to that job I don't want to go back to the job and I did and mm -hmm. it wasn't until yes. there was an incident that happened that chaplaincy in the North is very different than chaplaincy in the South. Sure. And um, I was like, I, I, I left. <laughs> that was the point, but it was See. so, it was so interesting that I didn't listen to my voice. And it's I so preach about that, that I just, yes. I still didn't listen to my voice. Now I listen to my voice a lot better, but you know, that was like five years ago. And that's when yeah. I started to 
you know, pivot over to coaching. I was doing minor coaching, you know, side right. hustle coaching. And yes. that's when I started to pivot because I was like, I can't do this anymore. I really can't, yes. you know, sometimes so, we just have to go through it. Right. So you really well, just needed it's, that sometimes it's I unfortunate how have, we do that. I think we have to listen to our voices and I think yes. sometimes we're, it, it's so hard to do it because of that comfort zone. Like I know how to be a chaplain, but I was really Absolutely. scared about leaving secure income to do mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't so, blame you. Yeah. So what's your <laughs> advice for queer entrepreneurs? Because, um, it's a little bit different than mm -hmm. just practical advice for any business person. What would be your advice for people who are queer and are starting businesses? Yeah, that's a really good question, Anne-Marie. I think what I would say is to have practices in place where you can decompress, where you can be heard by someone that understands your experience and where you can just recharge in a way that is super congruent with you. and. Mm -hmm. While that could probably be applied to anyone receiving that advice, I think specifically with our community is that there's certain ways that people will interpret what you're trying to do. They'll, you know, look at you as just the person that can offer this one thing because you have labeled yourself as the person who supports the LGBTQ plus community. And it's just important to, the other thing I will say too is by having that type of network, you'll be able to understand a little bit better when opportunities come, because this is something that I've currently tried to deal with, is am I being like reached out to and targeted to check a diversity box? Or am I being reached out to because you genuinely think that I can add value in all of the different ways? And while I think sometimes when you are reached out to in a way because they want someone who can speak from a diverse lens, that's fantastic. But sometimes, you know, we're approaching Pride Month, which is fantastic. And this is my first time doing this as an entrepreneur. I'm just a little weary sometimes of, am like, what's the intention behind the action when you're being asked to participate or being brought to a table? Or is that there's someone else that would do a better job? Like, it doesn't have to be me just because I'm the only openly queer business person that you know. Mm -hmm. And so I would say having that sounding board, almost like your own mini board of governors to say, hey, like how does this sound? Is this opportunity something that is in alignment with me? Or does someone you can vent to that gets it? I think that's so important and something that I'm looking to find more of because oftentimes we can get, a, I think I, I can get a little lost in it. We can get a little lost in is my value, is my purpose a value in this situation or not? So just that supportive community is so important. Well, uh, yeah. And I, I believe I, you know, I really, um, that resonates with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe this community, you know, like the first piece of advice I give to my later in life first people is you need to find community. You need to find other people that understand whether mm -hmm. there's somebody who've come out later in life or someone who came out years ago, because I find most people in the queer, you know, occasionally you meet a gatekeeper, um, who say you can't be, you know, queer because you've slept with a man and stuff like that. And, you know, that's becoming yeah. really super old fashioned in the lesbian community. Most people don't do that anymore, but occasionally mm -hmm. you do run into people yeah. like that. And I always wow. say, I always tell my folks, the only person that can name your queerness is you, nobody else. They're not allowed. <laughs> They're simply not allowed. As simple as that. Yeah. 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 But, and I also warn them about gatekeepers as well, but I find that most people in the queer community 
whether you're someone who's been are fairly newly out or someone who's been out for a long time are pretty accepting and really mm-hmm. um are, can will be there for each other because I don't I, you know even the best ally can't ex- ex- understand this experience unless they've gone through it themselves it's 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 like Absolutely. a deeper layer of knowing it's just a deeper layer of knowing and yes it, and, and it's actually quite beautiful and it makes you so much more accepting of other human beings, no matter who they are and the struggles that we all face. And so I love the advice you gave about the queer community. I wholly support that we need community. And I also want to add, I, my coach, um, I was saying to him, I was like, you know, I'm really missing my last coach before him. Yes. We had a great community. And I really mm. liked her, like the, I liked having the community and I don't feel that so much with him. And it was so funny last night on the call, he said, you know, we're really looking into building communities, Amory, because people miss. And, and I'm like, well, that's good because I think even entrepreneurs need community. And if we think about it as cooperation, not competition, it's really, really helpful, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's something that's so important to underscore, I think, is it's not competition. We can be in community together. We're not taking from the piece of the pie. We can build a bigger pie, you know? I think that's Well, so and cool. it's also do my old coach. She used to say there's 8 billion people in the world. And when she puts it in that right. perspective, like you like, can't serve on. all 8, people, 8 billion people, you know what I mean? You just can't. Nope. And so I like when I hear I say that to people, there's 8 billion people in the world. (laughs) So, well, Anthony, it was amazing to have you on the show today. I am so I'm so glad you've given us your time this morning. You're absolutely charming and adorable. And I am so glad that I got to spend my morning with you today. So thank you so much. Oh, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for having me and so much love and respect to all of the work that you've done and all the work you do in our community to make it such a better place. You're truly someone I respect so much and I'm so grateful to have spent this time with you. So thank you for having me. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms wherever you're listening take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode are you an entrepreneur who's also queer want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us we'd love to have you on the show just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest until next time queer friends and allies keep taking care of business